This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Zudi Jasser, and thanks for staying with me in this, our last segment. This week, the world is reeling from another attack in the West, this time in a country of 99% Muslims attacked in the last week of Ramadan with hundreds injured and upwards of 50 killed in the numbers at the time I recorded this. Now, the sad thing is that the 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 response so far has been, oh, well, Turkey's our ally, they're being attacked because no different than Paris or Brussels. That's the wrong answer. The reality of what's happening is two things. First of all, the, the simple thing is that Turkey's being attacked because there is internecine battles within the Islamist movement, the the nonviolent, almost democratic Islamists of the Muslim Brotherhood or the AKP of Turkey, which is basically the the Party for Development and Freedom, which is the same name uh, for the Muslim Brotherhood as it would be in Turkey. But theirs is the Turkish Sunni variety versus the Egyptian Arabic Sunni variety. But the party is the same. The platform is very similar. Now. They're Islamists, no different than ISIS are Islamists. But ISIS is more of a Wahhabi militant, um, you know, uh, very uh, um, bellicose variety of that. But they believe in the same ends. The Islamic State hegemony, the caliphate, is all part of their jihad, the same beliefs. So why would they attack them? So part of it's internecine, a disagreement over who should lead, over who should who should dominate. Part of it is Arab versus Turkish. The the, the Sunni Arabs of ISIS are uh, upset that they're losing so much of their population to Turkey and they don't want to see Turkey become the, the re... to see the revigoration, invigoration of the Ottoman Caliphate. They'd rather see the ISIS Arabic Caliphate. So that is part of it for sure and you can't minimize that. But more importantly, more importantly is... The fact that a year ago, in the spring of 2015, when the the hundreds of thousands, millions began to pour into Turkey and they were saying, what is going on out of Syria with these refugees and why should they be accepted? And now we have over a million in Lebanon, half a million to a million in Jordan out of Syria, a whole country that was only 22 million. Turkey with a million refugees, half a million to a million. Why did that happen? Our families in Syria will tell you that the Assad regime started to give warnings to Sunni neighborhoods throughout Syria. By the way, what percent of 21, 22 million in Syria were Sunni? 60 to 70 percent. So Assad, Iran, and Russia could not have as a plan to kill all 60 to 70 percent, though that might be part of their plan. It seems to be 
part of the genocide they're exerting against the Sunni population. But the other part was basically an ethnic cleansing, a, a stimulus to tell them to depart. And that's exactly what happened. All of a sudden, millions of passports were being handed out to Sunni families. And what greater way to not only change the demographics in which you had 10 to 20% Shiite in Syria, that now they will tell you, the, the rebels in Syria that are moderate that we speak to will tell us that they're no longer fighting Arabs. Syrian Arabs on the other side, or the Assad regime, they're fighting Iranian militants, the Republican Guard. They're fighting Afghan Shia and, and jihadists that are joining the Shia cause of jihad of the Iranian crescent that Assad is, is a client state of. And they're also fighting Russians that nobody talks about. And Russian air, especially air campaigns that are decimating and carpet bombing Sunni neighborhoods. With a little bit of attack on ISIS, but pinpricks, nothing major, because the longer ISIS is there, the more it legitimizes the strengthening of Assad. And the only time in which Russia is going to turn its guns fully on ISIS is when the Assad regime has recaptured all of Syria and its strength is no longer in doubt. And so that's not going to happen for a while. So why would ISIS attack Istanbul? Well, with millions going, the circles of war are the hottest inside Syria. The next circle is in Istanbul and Turkey, where if they want people to come back and be inhospitably unwelcome in Turkey, what better way to get them kicked out and to stop the influx than to start committing acts of war in Istanbul? in a Muslim country, but one that is taking their refugees. And those refugees, even though they may not be on the same side in the war, are going to be forced to come back and repopulate and at least stem the exit of Sunnis out of Syria so that that depopulation program of Assad would stop. So I was surprised. I think the question to be asked this week is, why didn't this happen earlier? Why did it take so long for Turkey and its involvement in the, the Syrian conflict to um, bring attacks upon them. We saw France, Paris happen because France was one of the most potent in its attack on ISIS. You have to look at that. Now, the question then goes back to, well, that means Turkey's on the right side. Remember, the enemy of my enemy is not my friend, especially as we see with Assad and Russia or Iran with ISIS but also with Turkey. Yes, they are fighting Assad, and they came to terms. It took a while, by the way. Turkey was not anti-Assad right at the beginning of the revolution. The real revolutionaries initially had no support from Turkey. Turkey was in bed with Hafez Assad and then Bashar for years. But then eventually, as the Islamists came to terms with the revolution, then they saw the light and they thought Assad would leave, and Turkey then changed its policy with Assad and ultimately against Russia. So they've been more isolated. And ISIS wants them to become even more isolated so that they can't even dream about an Ottoman caliphate. So what's the policy? I'm sure many of you are sort of wringing your hands saying, oh, just get us out of there. America cannot be part of this solution. Well, you know, listen, we started talking about cancers. Who are the adults in the room globally? Who are the adults? 
Who are the adults about freedom, about liberty, about the Universal Declaration of Human Rights? What will happen if we sit this out? Eventually, if we sit it out, that cancer will continue to attack us. We could pull every troop out, and President Obama has proven that. He thought he was given the Nobel Peace Prize for crying out loud, absurdly, because he was peacefully pulling out our troops. And that act of so-called peace has brought upon more risk and destruction upon the West and threat and put us more vulnerable than ever before. So please rescind his Nobel Peace Prize because his vacuum has not brought leadership and he hasn't been the he's been the adult on the golf course while the world has continued to spread its mayhem because of radical Islam and the dictatorships in the Middle East. So who are the adults in the room? The cancer will spread until we actually start to treat it with chemotherapy against the ideology of political Islam until we realize where Islam is in its time in history. And Mr. Obama and others, Islam is in that time in history in which it needs to reform against theocracy. And we are ignoring that fact. And we had a role to play in Syria. We still do, no matter how late it is. It's amazing. Last week we talked about how 50 diplomats, ambassadors, wrote a letter demanding that Assad be taken out, showing that that the absence, even those who are the dovish State Department, said we should have been doing something because they realized the genocide happening, and America sits it out. And the children in the Middle East, which includes the Islamists of Turkey and of Egypt and of of the Brotherhood and of Hamas and others are continuing to, to create these cauldrons of radicalization because we will not take sides within the House of Islam. How do you treat cancer? Two ways. One is secondarily, you cut it out and you treat the causes. And the other is primarily by preventing the very things that lead to the habits that cause cancer. So we have to begin to engage the verbiage, engage the ideologies, the theologies that feed this domestically and abroad. We have to disengage from so-called allies and realize they are not our friends when they, they have cauldrons of sharia and theocracy that are brewing our enemies. So in the Senate this week, we learned that um, we have to address the root cause. And after Istanbul, I hope we realize that the region is a powder keg. The region will not fix its own problem until a vision comes from the West of how America can be that city on a hill and how our 3 to 4 million Muslims can serve that leadership role globally in using our laboratory to be the leaders in the Muslim world where their governments are not leading them, where they are continuing the old 20th century paradigms of theocracy versus secular dictatorship that both are evil. And that there can be a third path in the Middle East, one of freedom and liberty, and that America needs to lead that. And otherwise... Istanbul will continue to happen and attacks will continue to be wrought not only by many that hijack within the refugee population but by homegrown terrorists and others. So 
help me treat this cancer. Join us in the Muslim reform movement and spreading the word about the need to engage in terms that are real. That without the engagement of these terms, we will actually end up demonizing Muslims rather than treating them with a tough love. And lastly, as you go into your July 4th, remember that this holiday of independence is one of the greatest holidays that uh, I enjoy because that day of independence brought forth a country that celebrated every individual's right to be equal under God and with their rights guaranteed by our Constitution and Bill of Rights. And that this country, and the reason I serve and I continue to serve you with this work that we do in reform and protection and national security, is the greatest country on earth because our families felt American the moment they got here. Because our families didn't feel that they were intruding on another race or another nation state, but rather they were embraced, and as they embraced the ideas of Americanism. So enjoy your July 4th, happy July 4th, and thank God for the freedoms and the the blessings that my family gave me by coming to America and enjoying this country. God bless you. God bless America. This is Zudi Jaster on Reform This. Thank you. Breaching the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.